Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Kirby Smart is like a lot of coaches in that he seems to have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with the media. You know, at times, Smart would even be, I think, probably one to say that he doesn't very much pay attention to what's out there in the media. He kind of ignores that. Most coaches seem to kind of view that as an important part of their job, not paying too much attention to what blowhards in front of a microphone like me are saying or what folks are writing. They try to keep you know blinders on and focused on the job at hand. And obviously Kirby Smart's no different. However, there are so many examples, though, over the course of time in which Smart seems to do something that seems to tip off some sort of awareness of the narratives that are out there. And without acknowledging what the media may be saying, without acknowledging what the commonality of fans might be saying there are things that smart does that seems to be both uh, an indication that he knows what people are talking about and sometimes a little bit of a rebuke for things that he thinks might be wrong there was potentially an example of that yesterday and before i show this to you and kind of move on let me just say this uh, it's going to be a really fun day on the show we're going to welcome back a guest that we haven't had in quite some time uh, tony barnhart mr college football going to be with us here in just a little bit looking forward to speaking to tony on the program today that's going to be a ton of fun we're also a couple of minutes away from the big unveiling of all the specific details of our dog nation invasion to charlotte for the season opener against clemson we'll even invite you on today's show to go ahead and sign up to be a part of that a lot of different options available for you so we'll tell you about that coming up here in just a uh, little bit of time so please stick with us for the next few minutes this is going to be a really big show now back to the topic at hand as i said before smart likes to kind of push back against narrative sometimes example of that from yesterday and this is one of those things that I love about the SEC because you know sometimes relatively benign messages from programs from coaches from from entities in this league can ignite a lot of chatter and if you're not super plugged into what's going on this is one of those things where if you kind of know you know and sometimes if you don't know you have no idea what's going on but sometimes relatively benign messages can set off a lot of chatter I'll show you this yesterday a tweet from Georgia coach Kirby Smart who says congratulations to our academic players of the week and uh, you see uh, Nazir Stackhouse there obviously we're happy for Nazir and Kamari Lass and you also see Eric Gilbert on there as well. Now, it didn't take very long for many Georgia fans to kind of view this as Georgia kind of spiking the football a little bit. That, uh, that, that you know, for Georgia, who recently won the recruitment for Eric Gilbert coming out of the transfer portal from LSU, to name him as academic player of the week so quick into his Georgia tenure was kind of sort of viewed as a little bit of a spiking the football, especially given the fact that there were, let's face it, lots of rumors out there that somehow, some way, that Eric Gilbert had academic issues that, that kept him from from you know having all the choices fully available to him remember at one time point in time he's uh committed to transfer to florida they didn't quite work out and a lot of florida fans also noticed this yesterday much the same way that uh, georgia fans kind of noticed that it almost had the appearance of a little bit of trolling to Florida, a little bit of trolling to some of those rival fan bases who had said what I think apparently turned out to be a false narrative about Gilbert and his academics. Naming Gilbert Academic Player of the Week was a little bit, almost in the eyes of so many people, a little bit of a rebuke against those who had kind of talked about the ways in which Gilbert's academic situation might be working out. And we said on the show at the time that some of this had the whiff of being really unfair because a lot of the people who were kind of spouting off but what they thought they knew about Gilbert's grades had not seen the transcripts, we presume, you know, had not been fully 
made aware of everything that might be going on with him academically. But to see Gilbert now at Georgia, when at one point in time he was thought to be going to Florida and a potential replacement for a guy like Kyle Pitts, this is just the kind of thing that uh, kind of erupts all over again yesterday on the base of this tweet. And as a reminder of just how much something like this potentially stings for Florida fans, let me let you go back and hear Mark Long covers the Gators for the Associated Press. He was a guest of mine on SEC Country Live a couple of weeks ago, and he talked at the time about just how much it was a little bit of a punch to the gut, a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, whatever analogy you're more comfortable using, that when Georgia swooped in and got Gilbert away from uh, the Gators and some of the folks there at Florida were left to kind of use academics as an excuse for all of that. This is Mark Long from the Associated Press. Yeah, it was pretty stunning that, you know, it's one thing with the guy's going to transfer or, or decommit because he can't get in. And that was the, at least the talk was that, or the thought process was he wasn't, he wasn't going to be able to get into school. And we understand, everybody understands that Florida, you know, is a pretty high academic standard and it's, They've turned some guys away who end up playing other places in the SEC or around the country. But you don't you don't expect. I mean, it's not like Georgia is Ole Miss. I mean, in terms of academics, when you when you lose a guy and then he ends up at you know your arch rival, a, 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 pro, a, a school that's equally you know it's on equal footing academically, then you start scratching your head, going, "What went wrong? Where, where, where you know what was this?" So if the guy ended up at a JUCO or he ended up at University of Miami or he ends up at, you know, Florida State or even Ole Miss, you know, you probably go, okay, that's, we get that. But to end up at Georgia, you know, it's the two of the best academic institutions in the SEC, Florida and Georgia. And, you know, most people believe that, you know, they're on par with each other. So I think Florida fans are scratching their head and going, you know, where did this, where where did somebody screw this up? So listen, if, if you watched all this play out yesterday, as minor as it was, I think you were left to believe that, boy, it certainly seems like Kirby Smart may have been aware of that narrative. And to see Gilbert honored by Georgia so quickly in his tenure there as a dog sort of felt like to some a little bit of a twisting of the knife by UGA and Kirby Smart in particular in regards to all that that you just heard Mark Long explain. But that alone is not the only reason why I bring this up. Because here, if you're a Georgia fan, is I think what you need to be hoping right now, that much the same way that Kirby Smart is really good at refuting narratives maybe the Eric Gilbert is an example of that there is another narrative that floats out there that persists it doesn't go away and if you're a UGA fan I think you want to be really excited about much the same way that Kirby Smart has squashed other false narratives in the past that he may be ready to squash this false narrative here in the uh, very near future you know we've seen a lot of these rankings come out this year and it, it's this way every single year of who's the top coach in college football and where does your guy rank in all of this and uh, actually Bill Bender from the Sporting News the latest to come out with his list on this we're actually going to have bill on sec country live later on this afternoon 3 p.m eastern time on the sec country video channels we'll talk to him about the list that he put together but there was some attention given yesterday to the fact that that kirby smart only ranks seventh on bill bender's list behind ryan day at ohio state jimbo fisher at texas a&m brian kelly at notre dame lincoln riley at oklahoma and of course dabo swinney and nick saban recent national champion coaches kirby ahead one spot of uh, dan mullen from florida of course Matt Campbell from Iowa State and Mac Brown from UNC and what a lot of Georgia fans say in response to this is hold on 
Look at Kirby Smart's record uh, against all the guys who were, either, who were ranked ahead of him or ranked right there in the top 10. You know, he's beaten Dan Mullen in 2017, 2018, 2019. Uh, you know, he's beaten uh, Jimbo Fisher to go back to the 2018 season, uh, beat Brian Kelly twice, once in 2017, once in 2019, beat Lincoln Riley in the Rose Bowl to conclude the 2017 season. That somehow Kirby Smart's only seventh on this list, but a lot of the coaches in the top 10 of this list, Smart has great success against. And when you think about the logic of that, that based on the fact that Smart's beaten these top 10 coaches, that some Georgia fans assume that he might ought to rank a little higher on this list, I think the only thing that you can conclude here is, is that no matter what Smart has done against these other top 10 level coaches, that there is this narrative that persists with him that until the offense fully evolves, until Georgia starts to resemble a little bit more for what you know these offensive-minded coaches like Ryan Day or like Lincoln Riley or programs that have very successful offenses like Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban, until, un, until Georgia's offense looks like those programs look, there are going to be some doubts about Kirby Smart as a coach, which is not to say that being ranked seventh out of 130 coaches is an insult. But being only seventh when you've had so much success against the other top 10 guys, it seems to be a little bit of what I think some Georgia fans view as a false narrative against Kirby Smart. And to give you a little bit more evidence of this, uh, Paul Feinbaum was on WJOX a couple of months ago. That's a Birmingham sports radio station. He was interviewed by the uh, host there, and he kind of brought to voice what I think some people sort of say is that no matter how many wins that Kirby Smart's collected so far at Georgia there are still just some doubts about how good of a coach he really is this is Paul Feinbaum from WJOX Kirby Smart just needs to to quiet down that that conversation out there that that he can't uh, that he's not a great on the field coach and, and whether he is or isn't it will continue to be debated but but I think his record is pretty good there's a phrase that Feinbaum uses in that clip that I think is pretty interesting. Kirby Smart needs to quiet down the conversation that he's not a very good coach, or in this particular case, as evidenced by the sporting news, that he's only seventh best out of 130 coaches in the country when obviously it's the guys ranked ahead of him or making more frequent playoff appearances and winning more national championships. Kirby Smart needs to quiet down that conversation, so says Paul Feinbaum. But here's the thing that I think Georgia fans are aware of and what this conversation I think is supposed to tip us off to even more is that quieting down false conversations, squashing false narratives has actually been something that Kirby Smart's pretty good at doing, whether it involve Eric Gilbert's academics or any other you know list of examples you want to cite from the recent past. Correcting folks when they're wrong has actually been something that Smart does pretty well. And so now this narrative exists. Many Georgia fans view it to be false there as well, that somehow Smart is deficient as a coach in comparison to guys like Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day or Dabo Sweeney or or or, or, or you know anybody else you want to mention there, Jimbo Fisher, that somehow Smart is deficient in comparison to them. That feels like a false narrative to many, and much the same way Kirby Smart has stomped that stuff out in the past – Maybe he'll get a chance to stomp out that narrative here later on this season. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Great to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. So glad to have you with us. Big thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making it all possible. Of course, short drive from Atlanta, just two hours away, you can enjoy the beautiful mountains of western North Carolina and the fun casino gaming, whether 
it's the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River, they've got that option available for you. Plus, uh, delicious gourmet dining, uh, world-class shopping experiences, a luxurious spa that really, I think, takes relaxation to the next level. It is all available for you at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Short drive entertainment options are back there now as well. And, of course, the sports book is also open, too. Sports gaming in the mountains of Western North Carolina at the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties. What could be better than that? Very easy to learn more about this there as well, too. There's a simple website you can go to and get all the details that you need. It's Harris. Uh, it's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That will get you in touch with Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, or you can find out about the Harris Cherokee Valley River property there as well. Great to have them with us as a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. All right, it is Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football, coming up in just a couple of moments. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse, a little bit different version of around the doghouse here today, because as promised, I want to detail and give you some information. Many of you have been asking about this. I've been teasing this for the last couple of days. And today is the day to kind of unveil all of this. Dog Nation Invasion is going to return for 20. 2021 and it is going to return in high style for the season opener against Clemson there in Charlotte first of all I have to say I'm very proud of our dog nation for those of you watching on video our dog nation invasion logo I think of Charlotte's a little bit of a NASCAR town so we've kind of gone NASCAR theme with our uh, dog nation invasion logo this is going to be a big deal we're able to offer this I think at a great rate uh, thanks to the great sponsors who make all this possible our friends from Kroger our friends from the Finnish long drink our buddies from Meriwether and Tharp and of course R.S. Andrews there as well these are folks who've been with us for a long time here and these are folks who are working really hard to make sure all of this is very fun for you and, and here's what i'm really proud to say is we have a couple of different options available and unfortunately for both of these options the space is just somewhat limited right we don't have infinite bandwidth on this but we have worked really hard to make this as big as we can possibly make it and accommodate as many people as we possibly can so you've really got a couple of different options there as well you've got a tailgate only option so if you're going to be in in Charlotte. You can be there. You can enjoy the food and drink that goes along with this. We've got a really cool Dog Nation Invasion t-shirt that we've got for you there as well. You know that's going to be a uh, ton of fun. Uh, so we have a tailgate only option if you're already going to be in Charlotte. But for those who want a little bit more than that, we also have a, a a VIP version of our Dog Nation Invasion there as well, which includes the the, the tailgate right there close to the uh, beautiful stadium in Charlotte with all the food and beverage that goes along with that and the t-shirt for that there as well. You get all that there as well. Plus, you also get a wonderful charter bus experience leaving Atlanta on that Saturday morning, September 4th, going to Charlotte there in the Queen City, watching the game there that uh, day, spending the night in Charlotte that night, then coming back to Atlanta again on that uh sunday uh hotel accommodations as i said before they're in charlotte there that night uh all of that for the vip experience one thing to be very very clear on though it does not include tickets to the game this does not include uh tickets to the game for either of these packages many of you of course already understand that but for those of you that want a big experience in charlotte ahead of that game against clemson this is an example of that it is going to be a ton of fun so here's what you need to do uh, tickets are going to be limited, whether it's the tailgate only or the VIP experience there as well. You can go to dognation.com. You can find a link there at dognation.com. Go ahead and get in. Reserve your spot before they're gone, especially for the VIP version of this. That's the thing that's obviously more limited than the others. Big thanks to our sponsors for helping us keep the price at an appropriate level for all of this it is going to be a ton of fun food beverage 
great tailgate, hanging out with each other, good-looking Dog Nation Invasion t-shirt, taking over the city of Charlotte, getting ready for the Clemson Tigers. It's going to be a big deal. DogNation.com, reserve your spot for the tailgate only or the VIP package while those are available. Of course, big thanks to Kroger, the Finnish Long Drink, Meriwether and Tharp, and R.S. Andrews for more details on that. If you have any more questions, anything that I didn't answer for you the way that I need to, if you go to in the email address, info at DogNation.com, you can find out more about that there as well. Info at DogNation.com, but go to DogNation.com to order your tickets. Do you have any questions about that? Hopefully not. Hopefully I did a good job of answering that. This is going to be a ton of fun. Can't wait for Dog Nation Invasion coming up in Charlotte. All right, we'll talk more about that before the show is done today. I want to get back to the conversation with the Georgia Bulldogs now, though. For everything happening for this team as it gets ready to move on to the upcoming season, no better voice to get some insight on that with than our buddy Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart. It's great to be able to welcome him back to Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And I will say hello to uh, Mr. Tony Barnhart right now, a guy that I always love talking college football with. And it seems like it's been a little while since we've done that here on Dog Nation Daily, so we're happy to be able to do that today. Tony, uh, welcome back to you. I know you're enjoying your summer, as you always do, and I'm sure you're much like me and the rest of this audience. Also very much looking forward to the fall there as well. A college football season that feels a lot more normal, you hope, compared to what we uh, you know, dealt with back in 2020. Lots of examples of a lot of folks getting back to their normal routine here for the 2021 season, and that is certainly a great thing to be able to see, is it not? It is, Brandon, and as I, as I travel around to different things, different see, see different groups of people and talk about the season, there is an excitement about this season that I haven't seen in a long time. We're always excited when the season comes along, but yeah, after the, I think the words is surreal yeah. after what we went through last year, uh, the chance to come back and be something that looks more normal. Uh, people are genuinely excited about this season. No, I think you're exactly right about that. And obviously there's a lot on the line for Georgia this year, a team that has you know, as good a chance as any to win the national championship, but also some lingering yep. questions there as well. We talked about how Kirby Smart has is perceived off the top of the show. You know, Sporting News, the latest outlet to kind of come out with its ranking, and Smart always ranks in the top ten on lists like this. And yet for some Georgia fans, I think seventh, according to the sporting news, that's never quite high enough, given the fact that Smart does really well head-to-head against coaches that are ranked close to him or ahead of him on a list like this. And there seems to be this lingering perception that that Smart hasn't fully proven himself yet as an on-field coach, as a, as, as a tactician during the games. No one can dispute his management of the Georgia program, but the buttons you push during the game. What do you make of that to the extent that that does seem to exist in the atmosphere around George and Kirby Smart? Uh, I, I thought he pushed the buttons pretty well in the Rose Bowl in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they stuck with their game plan, but, uh, even though they were – uh, Oklahoma's running up and down the field. Now, see, I don't, I, I, Brandon, I don't buy into any of this. It, it's a narrative where people hook onto it, and that's the thing about the media. They they hook on the narrative sometimes. And, and, and the the idea that, boy, the, this is the window for Kirby Smart, and if he doesn't win it this year, then the opportunity is going to pass by. I just I don't buy any of it. The idea of a football being a, a very successful head coach is to put your team on a consistent basis in the conversation, and Kirby Smart has absolutely done that. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I know that Georgia's good enough to win every single game they play. Will they? Guess what? We're going to find out. Yeah, I think uh, to to further the conversation, I think one of the dangers sometimes is when a point gets – 
oversimplified. And I think that Kirby Smart's yeah. been kind of put in this box. And you know, admittedly, I've, I've looked at some things from a similar vein there as well of, well, the one thing that seems to be different than Kirby and his team in comparison to Nick Saban or, or, or Dabo Sweeney or even Ryan Day at Ohio State is this lack of explosive offense. And so, therefore, I think there are some people that kind of view that Smart's either – so far inability to to transform this Georgia offense or hesitation to really join the trend that seems to be happening around him, that that seems to be a cudgel that ends up getting used against Smart, that until this program at Georgia scoring 45 points a game, some people are going to assume that something about Smart's personality or his you know coaching prowess is the reason that's not happening. I, I think those people that feel that way are really overthinking this. Uh, I get it down to the basics. Georgia – Georgia was a top-10 team last season. If there had been a 12-team college football playoff, Georgia would have been in the playoffs. Now, were they happy with their offense when the quarterback play was inconsistent before JT Daniels got ready? Okay, sure. I I would not argue that at all. But this idea that there's some sort of mental block that's keeping Georgia from realizing their potential, I just don't buy it. When you look around at the Georgia situation here this year, I mean, it's kind of interesting that you saw a lot from JT Daniels a year ago, and yet it was a somewhat small sample size. Uh, You obviously had plenty of reason to think this Georgia wide receiving core could have a breakout year, and I think that remains true. The George Pickens injury from the spring is clearly a setback Mm -hmm. for all of that. I mean, Georgia probably does need to score more points win a national championship. How set up do you think UGA is to be able to do that here this season? Well, first of all, we'd love to have George Pickens. Okay, right. he is he is a difference maker. He stretches he stretches the field. He's a big play guy. But I look at the Georgia depth chart, and they're they're very good receivers uh, on that. And and now, to your point, do does Georgia need to score more points? Yes, everybody needs to score more points. I sat in Nick Saban's office four years ago when he when he sort of laid out the idea of how they were going to have to score more points. And son of a gun, he hires Lane Kiffin. So every coach is going through this uh, and realize, you know, let's see, Alabama led the SEC in scoring defense last year. Mm-hmm. They gave up 19 points a game, okay? Nick Saban was asked if last year was his best team. He said, well, no, because my 2011 defense gave up nine points a game. Right. But the game has changed, and coaches, Saban realized it, and he, and he changed, and Kirby Smart's going to do the same. I want to bounce around the rest of the SEC with you just for a minute while we have uh, the time here. You mentioned Alabama. I do find it to be fascinating because, listen, they've had so much success and they've rebooted coaching staff, obviously player roster over and over again. But there is something, I think, interesting about the changeover this time, just given how successful Steve Sarkeesian was as offensive coordinator a year ago. And Bill O'Brien comes in with as much credentials as anyone could. He was a former head coach in the NFL. It's a pretty big-time hire. It's the kind of hire most college programs couldn't make, you know, credentials of a guy like O'Brien. And yet when I see how good Sarkeesian was with Mac Jones and, and, and Devontae Smith a year ago, two players that are obviously gone there as well, I kind of wonder – is the transition to this new offensive coordinator going to be quite as seamless as it was from Lane Kevin to Brian Dable and Brian Dable to Mike Loxley and Mike Loxley to, to Steve Sarkeesian? Is it going to be quite so seamless this time around? What do you think about that? I think it's going to uh, rely on Bryce Young, his ability to go out and make plays. Uh, people forget Bryce Young was either the number one or number two high school quarterback in the country uh, two years ago. And can he take a receiver like a John Mechie the third, 
and make him into the kind of – I don't know that John Metchie is a, another Devontae Smith. I'm not I'm ready to say that, but he's a really good player, and they've got really good players there. But I think it all – listen, it really, Brandon, comes down to quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Now the game has changed to the point you cannot be just average at quarterback and win championships. You have got to be elite. And uh, is Bryce Young ready to be an elite quarterback? Uh, we're going to find out. I think that's really interesting. Do you think that Texas A&M is ready to take that next step to be mentioned alongside an Alabama, or is this a team that's more comfortable? You're more comfortable mentioning towards the middle of the pack of the SEC West. Are they separating themselves from the rest of this division based on what they've done during the offseason? I think they're clearly number two uh, ahead of LSU in the SEC West. People tell me the LSU is going to bounce back. Okay, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. But the thing about Texas A&M is Jimbo Fisher has done what Saban has done, and that is to stack good recruiting classes on top of good recruiting classes. And it comes down to how they are going to play uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> their quarterback left after like his ninth year of eligibility, Kellen Mond, and now he's got a couple of very good athletic quarterbacks that, uh, that he really likes. Uh, I think when all is said and done, Haynes King is going to be the guy, very athletic with a strong arm. How far along can Jimbo Fisher get this guy? Uh, and they got to be ready uh, when Alabama comes to town. Uh, later on this year let me squeeze in two real quick things before i let you go because i don't want to keep you too 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 long i want to be respectful of your time but i'm fascinated by a couple of this league's first year coaches brian harson at auburn that's a proven winner from boise state right i mean that's a guy that's you know performed at a very high level at the group of five but i think one of the untold stories here is the fact that the gus malzahn era at auburn is actually a little tougher to live up to than maybe some people give it credit for he did beat saban (laughs) three times he won the west as recently as 2017 uh auburn was a pretty good team a couple of years ago recruiting has fallen off but do you think that brian harson is set up for success there at auburn and how quickly can he make folks forget about whatever was or wasn't happening during the malzahn era well first of all he did ex- when he took over the job at auburn he did exactly what you should do coming from boise state he went out and hired mike bobo as his offensive coordinator and quarterback coach he hired Derek mason as his defensive coordinator to Two men who have spent a lot of time in the SEC and who understand what SEC recruiting is all about. That's where you start. Now the question becomes, can Mike Bobo, who's developed some quarter, some very good quarterbacks in his career, can he take Bo Nix and make him into a consistent SEC quarterback? Nix has talent. We all know that. But he is not consistent, partic- consistent particularly on the road. And can Mike Bobo do that. Auburn's got, got defenders. They're always going to have defenders, and they're going to be good. But the key is what Mike Bobo can do with Bo Nix. So let me finish with this, and some people may say this is self-serving, but uh, it is my genuine opinion. When I look at the situation with Tennessee and Josh Heupel, who's you know a first-year coach with the Vols, a you know previous head coach at UCF, this is not a guy that has a ton of experience, and he's stepping into what I think is a very challenging situation. ton of transfer portal stuff, a relatively thin roster as it was. Tony, when I look at the situation for Tennessee this year, I think they have to be very careful not to be terrible. I'm talking about as bad as as it Mm -hmm. gets. And for a fan base that's already wasted all of its patience on a lot of coaches who proved not to be worthy of that, I think there's a sense uh, that the situation in Knoxville could actually be worse next year than it is right now. Well, 
because because of where that roster is right now. That some of the holdovers from the Jeremy Pruitt era can, guys can play. I've got look, Brandon. I've got them fifth at best in the SEC East. Yeah. Uh, only South Carolina and Vanderbilt are ahead of them. Their roster is simply not anywhere close to where, where you want to be. We know what Josh Heupel wants to do. The question is, is, does he have a quarterback in that room that can do it? And I don't think so. So you know, this has got a chance. This year's got a chance to be pretty, pretty ugly. But Tennessee fans are going to have to understand they're basically starting over yeah. uh, under Josh Heupel with the new offensive philosophy, and you got to recruit players to run that offense. And I, I haven't seen any of the quarterbacks yet who I think can do it. Maybe they get better, but uh, this is not going to be a good year for Tennessee. Tony, I always love your insight, and I appreciate the fact that you share it with us here on the program. You're also sharing online there as well. For people who want to get more of the stuff that you're doing, you mentioned some travels that you have right now and some of the insight that you're gaining from some of the visits you're taking. How can people get more of the work that you're doing? Our website is under the SI.com umbrella. So it's SI.com slash colleges slash TMG. That stands for the Media Guides. Myself and a couple of my old newspaper buddies, we're in business together doing it. We we cover college football a lot. We're writing about once a week, but that's uh, that's where you can find my stuff. Tony, I, I just really something today about NIL. So. Well, there you go. I, I look forward to reading that and look forward to the uh, to the new outlook that's on the horizon here. Thanks for your time, and we'll look forward to talking to you about that all very soon. All right, Brandon. Always good to be with you. Good stuff there from Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. A lot of fun. By the way, why I have your attention, speaking of having a lot of fun, also keep this in mind as we head towards the month of September. College nights are back at Truist Park with the Atlanta Braves. And this year, once again, the Atlanta Braves are inviting all Georgia fans to be a part of this. This always sells out really fast because the ticket package includes not just a ticket to the game. They're on September 30th against the Philadelphia Phillies, but also that really cool co-branded hat. Um you know Braves logo, UGA logo there on that there as well. That's the UGA ticket pack that you get for the game on September the 30th against Philadelphia Phillies. So please make sure you check this out. Also some really cool stuff here. $4 from every purchase there as well it goes back to the UGA Atlanta Chapter Scholarship Fund. So that's a, a really cool thing there as well. Website to go to is braves.com slash UGA. Braves.com slash UGA for a lot more details on that. This is SEC Through. So uh, really, really good stuff from Tony Barnhart. Really enjoy that. And as Tony mentioned, you should check out his piece online about the the onset of the uh, name image likeness era that gets ready to get going. July 1st, be here tomorrow. So a lot of interesting stuff will kind of play out with all of that. And as we've said before, you know, our our position here on that is going to be we're just going to kind of sit back and watch it unfold here for a little bit. We'll experience some new things, some things we've never seen before. Uh, and just kind of see how it all plays out. And certainly for Tony, who's got a great history of of watching lots of changes unfold for the SEC over the years, certainly he'll have great insight on all of that there as well. Let's transition now. Let's do our SEC through. And I mentioned a moment ago where Kirby Smart ranks on the list for the sporting news and its schedule. I'm going to get, I should say, the sporting news and its list of top coaches. I'll do more on that coming up in a moment. I actually want to briefly talk about another list here just for a moment, though. Uh, CBSSports.com 
had a very interesting look at where strength of schedule ranks for the SEC for the upcoming year. And this is one of those things, if you're a Georgia fan, I think you absolutely have to take advantage of this. Because if you look at the pages of CBSSports.com and the uh, story uh, written here by our buddy Barrett Salee, it says strength of schedule rankings for the upcoming year. And you have to scroll all the way down to the bottom to see Georgia, the 12th toughest schedule in the SEC, according to our buddy Barrett from CBSSports.com. And what you really see there is, and we've talked about this so much on the show the last you know couple of days, is that you know obviously you pay attention to a, game, a team like Arkansas coming into Athens brings back a lot of starters you know from the previous year, and clearly everybody knows how tough that season opener is going to be against Clemson. The Florida game looms as big on October the 30th, just given the fact that it's a revenge game, and you know Florida is like the next best team on the Georgia schedule. But as Barrett, I believe, rightly points out, you know post Clemson. Not only is Georgia a point spread favorite in every game that it plays the rest of the year, but as Barrett says, and this is true, there is at least some chance that Georgia could be a double-digit point spread favorite in every game the rest of the season. As it stands right now with the look-ahead lines, Georgia is not a double-digit favorite against Florida and, frankly, not a double-digit favorite against Auburn, according to every book who's posted lines here thus far. But those are both possibilities, once those games are played, that Georgia could be that big of a favorite that you know that that's substantial of a favorite and that is a real weapon to have on your side when you look at the great success for Kirby Smart during his era as coach you point to a couple of years 2017 when Georgia obviously won the SEC do not discount how much it benefited Georgia to have an easier road in the SEC East Florida was not very good in 2017 Tennessee was not good in 2017 uh you know really no one was good in the SEC East in 2017 Georgia won all of those games against division foes that year by 14 or more points came back did the same thing again there in 2018 ultimately the 2018 path didn't reward itself with a trip to the playoff but Georgia was was clearly on the doorstep of being able to do that and not being as challenged as much in its division as other SEC teams were certainly in the SEC West. That's a real advantage. It's the kind of thing Georgia wants to take advantage of here this year. Now, on the one hand, some people were going to listen to that and look at that and say, "Well, I guess that must mean that um, you know that the Clemson game for Georgia to open the season must not matter all that much." And and frankly, I, I think the the statement about the Georgia schedule actually leads you to the opposite opinion that. When you know what you have after this, all the more reason to put the spotlight on that season opening game against Clemson. Because the last thing you want to do, knowing you've got this schedule awaiting you after that, is to give away your margin for error so close to the beginning of the season. Now, let's face it, anything can still happen. You know, surprises you know, can occur. Sometimes they do. But make no mistake, when you're thinking about all the reasons why George ought to be considered a national championship contender, where its schedule ranks compared to a lot of the other SEC teams is a big part of this discussion. Let me go back near the top here for a moment because I think there's a couple of other interesting things to bring up. Once again, it's interesting to see Arkansas, who last year I would say, you know, short schedule, a little bit of a condensed year, kind of a weird circumstances, but they almost played the toughest schedule I'd ever seen any team play. It was crazy how tough the Arkansas schedule was all the way around. According to Barrett, they ranked number one on that list again for this year. Uh, Barrett also includes South Carolina on that list too. They obviously play Texas A&M as a kind of SEC West crossover type opponent. It was interesting to hear Tony Barnhart a moment ago discuss the the bottom of the pecking order, the hierarchy in the SEC East, and that that maybe Tennessee could hope to be better than South Carolina, but not very many other teams in the division. 
All of a sudden, you think about South Carolina having wins, hard to come by in a lot of places. A game like that against the Vols, where you have similar scenario, first-year coach. In a lot of ways, South Carolina, from a roster standpoint, may actually be set up better than Tennessee. I mean, Will Muschamp had some recruiting success in some respects. You know, Pretty good defensive lineman. Gamecocks bring a lot of those guys back. Uh, Gamecocks also pretty good at running the football here this year there as well but a tough schedule for a first-year coach and Shane Beamer. Then you get to another team that I mentioned with Tony Barnard a moment ago, Auburn. Once again, Auburn seems to always show up on these lists of, of you know, you know, toughest schedules in, in, in the sport. That seems to be a fairly common occurrence for Auburn on some of that kind of stuff. And once again, this year, no different. It's the entirety of the SEC West. We know how difficult that division is. It's the crossover game against Georgia. That, as much as any reason, may be the chief evidence for why Gus Malzahn is no longer Auburn coach. Auburn has just struggled against Georgia, even predating Gus Malzahn. That's been a big issue for Auburn to deal with. And there's also the road trip non-conference against Penn State there as well. So that's a tough schedule for a first-year coach and Brian Harson to um, you know to inherit, but that's the situation awaiting him there. And by the way, as our SEC through kind of wraps up here, one more list to kind of circle back on here for a moment. I mentioned those the coaches list, the top coaches according to our buddy Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, as I mentioned earlier, will be with us this afternoon on SEC Country Live. We'll talk more with him about where he ranks these guys. And, you know, you see Dan Mullen is eighth on this list. That's behind Kirby Smart. That's a guy that last year kind of proved for Mullen whatever you wanted it to prove. Like, on the one hand, he took a guy in Kyle Trask who I think many of us probably thought would never be a college starter, and he turned him into a, a more than a capable performer. He, he put up big numbers and, you know, was a, was the talk of college football for much of last season. But Florida also lost four games there as well. Obviously, we pay a lot of attention to the Gators. We believe that good Georgia fans are Gator haters. I don't think there's any doubt that this year is a is a little bit of a swing year for Mullen, whether it be the positive evidence from a year ago, what you did with Kyle Trask, the unique ways in which he used guys like Kadarius Toney and Kyle Pitts. Does Mullen now do more with kind of less, right? I mean, this is this is a roster not as talented as Georgia's, not as talented as some of the other top teams in the SEC. Does Mullen find a way to do more with less? And if he does, then the next offseason could see Mullen even praise more as a coach. But if this is a little bit more of a return to kind of the the the, the pre-Kyle Trask world for Florida, where frankly Mullen, who's supposed to be a quarterback whisperer, had had a little bit of a hard time establishing his quarterback there. You know, Emory Jones and and whatever is expected for him with Mullen not exactly praising Jones at the end of spring. All of a sudden, this could be one of those uh, those years that sets up Mullen to face more criticism next offseason than he's been used to. And then, as I said before, Jimbo Fisher ranking fifth on this list. You know, it's a lot to ask a guy like that to go out and beat Alabama, beat your old boss Nick Saban, truly put Texas A&M in the SEC championship game 10 years into this league, something they have not been able to do as of yet. But obviously, that would seem to be the next step. They're recruiting better as a way of uh, trying to get that done, but still seemingly a little bit of a gap there with the Crimson Tide. But a lot of these lists of top coaches seem to be noticing the work that Fisher's doing there at Texas A&M, including Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll talk to him more about that on SEC Country Live later on today. And for now, we'll make that your SEC through. In just a moment, I want to have some fun with what, something that a George player put out on uh, Twitter. I thought this is just kind of funny. We'll do that coming up in a moment. Uh, first, though, let me tell you what my friends at SecondChance.Law. I love the work that they do. 
because they support people that I believe need support. Listen, I just like the idea of grace in life. I, I like the idea of of getting a second chance to do better than you did the first time. That's one of those things I'm grateful that I've had in my life at certain times, and I'm happy to see that opportunity extended to others there as well. In some cases, this involves your criminal history. You know, there are certain things that can just make it hard to get a job or hard to live where you want to live or things like that. But new laws in Georgia can actually make it possible to restrict some of that off your criminal history. But you got to know how the law works for you. That's what secondchance.law can do. They can explain all that to you. So you go online, secondchance.law. You answer their online quiz, and that'll help you determine your eligibility. And if you're not eligible, they can explain to you how you can become eligible. It's just a really cool thing all the way around. One of the partners is a longtime listener of Dog Nation Daily, former Redcoat, which is obviously really cool. Double dog, two-time graduate of UGA. So you're supporting good dog people when you reach out to secondchance.law. So make sure you check them out today. All right, let me do this just really, really quick. We talked yesterday on the show about two Georgia offensive linemen, Jamari Salyer and Justin Schaefer, being mentioned as pro football focus preseason All-Americans. And Schaefer got a lot of accolades. Uh, That was also noticed by his teammate, Jamari Salyer, but for a slightly different reason. So pro football focus puts out this graphic, and it's like four linemen looking like a football, you know, helmet on, playing football justin schaefer helmet off big smile having some fun jamari sire asked schaefer on twitter uh why they have you uh wilding out which is what the kids you know would say uh but clearly pretty funny let's zoom in if we can on the uh, schaefer face <laughs> clearly justin schaefer on the basis of that photo enjoying himself as a preseason pro football focus all-american and kind of fun to see jamari sire having some fun with schaefer through all of that there as well. That's just a, a good thing to see, and obviously big expectations for both Salyer and Schaefer here for the upcoming season. So I hope that you will go to dognation.com and find out more about our Dog Nation invasion, whether it be the VIP package that includes the hotel that night, the transportation and a wonderful chartered bus up to Charlotte. Of course, the tailgate there all day. There's TVs for the tailgate. There's all kinds of entertainment. You've done these tailgates with us before. Many of you have. And they're just first class all the way around. uh, Watching games, hanging out, having a good time. Uh, There's also the tailgate only package. So if you're already going to be in Charlotte, uh, you can get the tailgate only package and have your food and beverage taken care of. The Dog Nation Invasion t-shirt, which I think is a really pretty cool thing there as well. So dognation.com website to go to. You can find out all about that, all the much more. And we certainly appreciate all our sponsors for making that possible. Well, speaking of one of our sponsors, our buddy Jamie Kennedy says that he's tried one of those. He shows off the finished long drink. He's holding that up there. We'll give him a little uh, little golden shoe love for that. Jamie, thank you so much for that. Of course, Gator Hater Countdown, 122 days. We appreciate you being here. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. We'll see all of you again tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, you can trust R.S. Andrews, one of our sponsors, by the way, for Dog Nation Invasion. They'll take care of you for your air conditioning, your heating, your plumbing, your electric needs. That means that tired AC unit, it's really hot right now. And if your system is either not keeping you cool enough or you're worried that it may not make it, With the rest of the summer that's still on the way, get the peace of mind that you need by trusting all of that to R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com. I got a tweet that also kind of came up on the uh, regular show a little earlier here today as well. Uh, Terrific country music artist Ray Fulcher, who many of you may not be aware of, was actually a staffer at UGA 
there as well. Uh, GoDogs34 on Twitter says that this deserves a shout-out on Thursday show. Former student assistant quarterback manager, grad assistant Eugene Richt in the late 2000s just made his debut at the Grand Ole Opry. And I did see that. I'm thrilled to see that. I love Ray Fulcher's new music. He's got some new uh, music coming out. And as I told our video audience a moment ago, I wanted to share this there as well since uh, Sean sent this to me on Twitter, that – you know, my dad passed away back in December, and Ray's got the song about you know getting the voicemail from his dad and talking about you know those uh, Kirby got the boys playing pretty good ball and you know the Go Dogs and that song is just so incredibly personal to me. And some of you understand this there as well, whether it be that song and of course I'm not certainly the only Georgia fan that loves that song from Ray Fulcher, but um, uh, you know so many of you know what it feels like to have that song that just really nails your life experience somehow. I mean, sometimes musicians just kind of capture that. And that particular song just feels so much like my life in so many different ways. And, you know, I'm very, very thankful to have had that song in my life these last few months. It's not a sad thing for me to hear. It actually brings me uh, tremendous comfort. It reminds me of a lot of happy, a lot of good times. And, um, you know, like I said before, there are a lot of George fans who just absolutely love that song. And so to see Ray having success, being part of, you know, the Grand Ole Opry and, you know, some new music coming out, you just love to see that. I just, you know, comes across as a, a great guy. The Certainly the music seems to really indicate that he understands what life for so many of us is like and what it's truly all about, what we truly value. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't think the success could have happened for a better person, and I hope it keeps coming. I hope it comes in waves. So uh, great, great stuff from Ray Fulcher. Really, really excited for him, and I think we will give him a a, a true show shout-out tomorrow, kind of pre, pre-cool down. I think we'll do that tomorrow. Uh, look forward to doing that. Uh, Old Dog 76 also writes in to the comment section at dognation.com. We talked earlier this week about fan expectations and how I think there's a little bit of a misunderstanding that's out there about UGA fan expectations. And Old Dog writes that it's sort of funny how them out there accuse dog fans of having unrealistically high sense of the place of the team. What fan base doesn't have a high opinion of the school and expectations? That's like, you know, what a fan is, which I think is a really good point. He says SCC Shorts, the group that does the videos, he says they have a more accurate a picture of George with the satire. He says, so close for so long, always that trap game with Vanderbilt or Missouri, always the one game against LSU and Alabama, then Florida to Florida, still we soldier on. That's exactly right. And it's kind of funny. The one thing that's always kind of driven me crazy is, is that, you know, there's a way to romanticize, if that's a word, uh, there's a way to romanticize like what George has been through, but, you know, and you see this in professional sports from time to time. Like, you know, I'm old enough to remember pre-2004 when the Red Sox hadn't won a World Series in forever. And the fact of the matter is, like, every rider in the world lives in New England. And so you've got, like, George Plimpton and Charlie Pierce and, you know, more contemporary guys like Bill Simmons who, you know, were using their riderly skills to kind of romanticize the close but no cigar decades of Red Sox futility. And instead of the 86 World Series being something to be embarrassed about, it was kind of romanticized as uh, this is how long-suffering and tough these Red Sox fans have had it, and this is how great Red Sox fans are because they've endured all of that. There was the 2003 ALCS was a little bit like that too, kind of a data point in all of that. Cubs fans kind of much the same way, you know, movie stars like Bill Murray or Belushi, uh, um, you know, other kind of famous people that have had this deep connection to the Cubs, and until they won their World Series – 
there was this very popular narrative of, hey, the fact that Cubs fans have endured more than a century of not winning a World Series and had the 84 NLCS or the the Bartman game from, was it 2013? Is that Bartman 2013? That wasn't the kind of thing you should be embarrassed about. That was the kind of thing that proves how good of a fan you are because you lived through all of that. And, you know, Georgia just hasn't been quite as lucky in terms of having the kind of, you know, connections to, <laughs> to, to you know, the, the uh, I guess the elite influencers of conversation to let, let Georgia fans be romanticized in kind of the same way that Cubs fans, Red Sox fans have kind of been. But obviously, for those people like my age, I'm in my you know early 40s. Uh, for those of us who've lived through all of this, there's a there's a lot of tough ones that you've taken on the chin here, and I think that the commenter old dog is really right about this. That for the most part, you know, Georgia fans are no different than any other fan base is in terms of you know clearly you want to see the the best most likely path towards success. You want to see that, and you're going to kind of notice that. But as we kind of push back on the show the other day. The notion that somehow fans have expected more from Kirby Smart than they've gotten through the first five years, I truly don't believe that's the case. And I think this is a distinction that makes a difference. In other words, and listen, y'all know how much I love Richt. I, I, I revere Mark Richt. But unfortunately, at the end of the Richt era, there was a little bit of a malaise that had set in. There was not this incredible passion. And Georgia fans did not believe that you know, necessarily that next year was going to be our year. There was some thought that that moment had kind of passed Georgia by. And so the early days of of, Mar- of, of Kirby's Martin at Georgia was not any kind of large assumption that he was going to step on the field and fix all that right away. If anything, there was um, – I mean, you can go back and look at the archives from dognation.com. Smart's hiring was not universally popular. There was a controversial thing about whether or not Rick should even be fired. So this notion that that folks expected Kirby Smart to come in and change things right away, there are plenty of folks that weren't sure he was going to change things at all and that things might get worse under Smart than it has under Rick, that, that Kirby actually talked up the expectations. Kirby not only embraced the expectations that exist for Georgia, but encouraged Georgia fans to to, to feel those things again, to believe that anything was was possible. After the G-Day game in 2016, when there were 93,000 people in the stadium, Smart said in that post-game press conference there, there that day, I've always said at Georgia, why not us? Well, I think some Georgia fans had unfortunately started to answer that question in a non-rhetorical way in the years prior to 2016. And, and Kirby Smart came in and not just changed the the, the culture of the program, but actually, I think, changed the mindset of UGA fans, gave them permission to believe again. And so I think Old Dog brings up some pretty good points on that. We will leave it there for today. When it comes to our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, I invite you once again to check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com. Also, check out dognation.com for something that R.S. Andrews is going to be a part of. Our Dog Nation invasion to Charlotte. What a fun and enjoyable thing that's going to be. Tickets going right now. I've already heard from some folks who've bought some. VIP opportunity, regular tailgate-only opportunity there as well. Get yours while you can. Dognation.com on that. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And we'll look forward to speaking to you then.